Hello and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Wellness. Um, My name is Lana Lynn Marino. I'm an intuitive therapist and energy healer. I'm here to give you some guidance and support in some challenging times. So this episode, I'm going to be talking about clinging to pain. Why do we cling to pain? And before we start, I just wanted to read something that... um, it's really struck a chord with me recently in the last couple of days because I'm, I'm really feeling anxious. Recently I got married and getting married, um, it was so exciting. It was the build up to it as every bride would know and just working everything out and going through everything. But that was two weeks ago and since then my old friend anxiety has come back and I woke up this morning feeling really really anxious about something now I haven't done an episode for quite a while not simply because life is kind of moved on and what happens is when we think about it the episodes of uh, the past have highlighted a lot of things that are interesting to me and things that I've experienced questions I've had and especially working with clients that have issues related to some of the things that I talk about but a lot of the things I talk about is the inner child um, childhood pain childhood trauma A woman once described a relationship with her mother in these words, I can still hear her scolding me from the grave. Some people are left all their life burdened with uncertainty and frustration because they are still held by negative messages from their parents. Others carry through their lives a false, false sense of loyalty to their parents. We all, even those of us who have positive relationships with our parents, need to free ourselves from our emotional dependence on our parents if we are to grow into maturity. We need to break ties that are burdensome if we are to realize our full potential. It is only when we have learnt to see our parents for who they were and when we have ceased to expect the impossible of them that we can begin to learn the important task of parenting our own children and a way in a way that enables them to grow into maturity and it enables us to let go when we cling to pain we end up punishing ourselves now that really struck a chord with me and when i relate that now to why did i wake up this morning feeling so anxious what is going on And I know most human beings on this planet um, will feel something. If we're not feeling something, it's because we choose not to feel. We can block out emotions, we can block out thoughts and feelings, we can block everything out by escaping. My escape over the last couple of months has been through my happiness. And that's not a bad thing because happiness comes from our God mind. Happiness and joy is something that is relevant in every single human being. We are attached to joy and and to happiness. We are attached to positivity when we first come into the world. But what happens when you have a whole bunch of uncomfortable, embarrassing and annoying emotions that you don't want to unconsciously deal with? Now, according to famous psychologist Sigmund Freud, 
These emotions are projected onto other people so that other people become carriers of our own perceived flaws. Now, fortunately or unfortunately for us, this form of emotional displacement makes it much easier to live with ourselves because everyone else is responsible for our misery, not us. So as a result of externalizing our emotions and perceiving them in others, we continue suffering terribly, often creating false self-images that portray us as the victim or the good or righteous person, when the reality is that we aren't. That's um, in layman terms what psychological, uh, 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 psychological projection is. Now, common examples of psychological, psychological projection is to see through the guise of projection and to become aware of the sneaky habitual cycles we get into on a daily basis. And some of the most common examples of psychological projection that we all commit are sometimes projecting that they hate us. Whether it's at home, at work, or in any other situation, we've all believed that our bosses, our co-workers, our family-in-laws, our extended family members, and other people we've come in contact with hate or dislike us for no reason. But while we are convinced that the words and intonations and brief looks given to us are reflections of hidden hatred, hatred. Most of us fail to realize that believing someone hates us is often a, a result of projection. If I have a strong dislike for someone in the first place, it's common for me to project myself against this feeling project by projecting it onto another. So if I want to take that all the way back to myself and my child self, I believed that I wasn't lovable, I believed I wasn't worthy, I believed I was different, and I was. I was in a class full of children that didn't look like me. I was brought up until the age of 13 where the N-word was normalized, where I was made to believe that I was different and I wasn't, I wasn't acceptable. So that became my core belief. My core belief has stayed with me throughout my life, my negative core belief. And it's only in recent years, I guess, since I've been doing counseling, therapy, energy healing, over the last 30 years, it's been a journey into really discovering who I am. But why is my anxiety still here? Well, we can wake up every morning, we can do everything, all the work, we can do the spiritual realization, the psychological analysis, the transactional analysis, we can go through everything and we'll come up with the same feelings. Why do I feel anxious? Why am I clinging to my pain? How often have you bitched about someone else, a man or a woman, whose physical appearance was somehow displeasing to you? So you might have felt an immense sense of distaste and dislike for this person, I know I have. When in fact, this charging is a projection mechanism, feeling my own deeper body image issues. Likely, I'm deeply insecure about my own body and thus unconsciously, I project this loathing onto others. And I think that's what's happened throughout my life, which has then added another layer, which the ego loves to see 
when I dislike myself, but I'm going to project this onto someone else. I don't like this feeling, so I'm going to project it onto someone else. They they look fatter than me. They're darker than me. They're lighter than me. They're plainer than me. They're, you know, it goes. The list goes on and on. Making other people feel uncomfortable, and I know that I've been down this road to make people, some people, feel un- uncomfortable. And often, my anxiety and tension that I feel around others has been a reflection of the way that I've perceived myself. When we are we are insecure or we have low self-esteem, it's common to perceive the problem as being with someone else. And this is is true. This is true when other people and not ourselves have the other problem. But this classic form of projection is common amongst those suffering from social anxiety, which again, you know, played a big part in my life, probably in my teenage years. I remember I used to go to this disco. We're talking now about the 70s when it was a disco. But I used to go to this disco. And before I went, I'd have to get through half a bottle of wine just to just to get through the door because my belief was that I was going to be judged. Firstly, how I look. Secondly, what I was wearing. Thirdly, if I wasn't up to standard, I was going to be judged. I was going to be looked at. But more importantly, I was going to be disliked. So that bottle of wine, my good old friend, would help me get through that door of uncertainty and anxiety. And of course, once I got into the club, it would be more drinks. So throughout my twenties, my bottle of wine, my drinks, it really helped me to really build my false sense of security that I was okay, that I was better than anyone else. And thinking back now, you know, that was around about the time that our superego really, really, really is very strong. Superego oversteps the ego and it makes us really kind of charged up in that way of superiority. My inferiority's left me, or so I thought. My inferiority just went into hiding and they emerged probably later on in the way that um, I went into my 30s believing that, yeah, I'd got through this. You know, I succumbed to spirituality, I'd succumbed to finding, quote unquote, myself. I'd gone through the rigmaroles of getting married, of being a good wife, of um, saying yes when I really wanted to say no. So the point that I'm making is why now in my 60s am I still waking up with anxiety? The fear that my partner, my husband, was having an affair or was untrustworthy was often a reflection of the way I felt about myself. All normal people functioning in relationships feel attracted to other people at one point or another. That is something that we can't help. And sometimes this self-discovery is met with fear and shame, which is then often projected onto the other partner. It turned out that by the end of my first marriage, everything that I had feared 
had come true. I found out that he had been unfaithful throughout our 12 years together. Um, but throughout the marriage, you know, I, I, I wouldn't believe that. What I had done is I projected my fear that I was going to be left, that I was going to be abandoned onto my husband, which really manifested itself in the way that our relationship went. And sure enough, I found out that I couldn't trust him. Now this catapulted me into where I was for the next few years of my life. I would say that I went into other relationships not trusting, not accepting people, believing that I was going to get hurt, I was going to be abandoned, I was going to be rejected. So it all came back to bite me in the bum, so to speak. Now, sometimes, you know, when we think about where we are today and why our anxiety or those emotions that are uncomfortable, why they reflect on us and they act out in the person that we are today is a, is a way of actually surviving. For me to survive, I need that mechanism of fear, or so I believe. So today I'm going to turn around those negative beliefs and I'm going to say to myself, actually, the world is okay. Actually, I'm okay. Actually, I'm going to get up today. I'm going to take my little dog for a walk. I'm going to walk to the park. I'm going to look at the trees, look at everything around me in nature. I'm going to feel the wind in my face and the rain falling around me. I'm going to feel the sun on my back. <clears throat> I'm going to feel the positive attunement of life, of this planet, of my life, as I take every deep breath in and every deep breath out. I'm going to tell myself that I am God's creation. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I am here to tell a story. I am here to be loved. I am here to be the power that I am. Clinging to my pain is subjective. To be objective, to cling into pain, I have to look forward to a new day. I have to tell myself I don't need that drink, even though now my drinking has curtailed itself and I'm nowhere near that 20 year old. But she is very close to me. She's very close to me and she sometimes wants me to believe that, you know, I need. I need her to get me through life. Our addictions in any way, shape or form, if it's chocolate, if it's sex, if it's running, jogging, whatever my addiction is, <clears throat> if it's food, if it keeps me going, if it keeps me attached to my pain, then I'm jolly well gonna hold on to that pain. I am not letting go. No farewell words were spoken, no time to say goodbye. You were gone before we knew it, and only God can tell us why. It broke my heart to lose you, but you didn't go alone. For part of me went with you today that God called you home. It's a little poem that I, I read the other day to my ego, to my small child self to let her know that she was safe. 
that she had nothing to worry about. If we can do that on a daily basis, if we can let our child know that we're safe, we are well, we have nothing to worry about. That feeling that we had when we react the most strongly to something that says something to us, the importance that we place on pain, the importance that we place on people and the belief that we're not lovable. For instance, if I can't stand watching sex on television, this could very well be a reflection of a hidden sexual shame or insecurity that I have in myself. Homophobia as well is, is often a type of projection, especially amongst religious people. I didn't know that the highest amount of gay porn is consumed by the Bible Belt in the US states. And that shocked me when I found that out, because you think that people that have reached a higher level of understanding, that have reached their God, there would be nothing around, you know, that, that subject that would enter. So I'm, I'm bringing that into the conversation, is why we, we are shadow. Our shadow is very important to understand. Our shadow will make us believe that it will keep us aligned with our psychological disturbance of whatever shame we carry. And I remember being told many years ago that I was, it wasn't my shame. Shame that I was carrying of the child abuser that I experienced that was a part of my early years. The person that raped me, the shame the guilt that I carried for so many years is that that child making me believe that I needed to drink, I needed to put my mask on to go out into the world to show the world that I am fine, I am doing great, it wasn't true. Life can be a box of chocolates, as uh, the famous, uh, the famous statement in a Tom Hanks film and um, life can be a box of chocolates and as I'm speaking now I'm so grateful and thankful for whoever is listening to this because this is a platform to speak and I just want to say that that when we speak up about something when we speak up about what we're feeling when we speak up about what we're going through if we can find someone that we can trust, not a friend that is going to give you advice or a friend that is going to tell you what you should do, get over it, you'll be fine. You know, that's in the past. Those are all negative statements that feed back into our belief system. When we can find someone, a person, anyone that can actually accept us for who we are, that is there to listen to us, that we can talk to, that we can mouth off to, then that is, that is a way of actually expressing that anxiety, 
we don't have to wake up and say, you know, I feel very anxious today, but I don't know what's going on. And then you can sit with someone, you can go through everything that is there, from what happened to you when you were six to what happened to you when you were 60. But it's sitting with the pain. We cling to pain, but we're clinging to a pain from our past. We're not clinging to a pain that is present. If our grandchild falls over and scratches their knee or runs in crying that they've they've that they've they, they've seen a, a kitten get run over, we feel that pain. We feel the innocence of the the pain of the child. It's a different type of pain to the pain that we are feeling, that is born in our anxiety, that creates our depression, that is held at a heart level. Our heart chakra, remember, is where our depression, our anxiety is held. The joy I had at my wedding lasted with me for two weeks and it's still there. Every day when I tell my husband, I love you. Have I told you today that I love you? When he looks back at me and says, have I told you today that I love you? That releases something so deep. And I'm wondering, you know, because recently we've got back into the normal, like a lot of people, with the pandemic. Um, and it's starting to create another anxiety now on a, um, a collective level with the new variants that are being shown up all over the world. But I'm wondering if my anxiety is because we've gone back into an old routine. He's gone back to work. He's gone back to doing what he does. I've gone back to work. I've gone back to seeing clients. I'm working intensely now, more than ever with clients that are suffering really huge anxieties, mostly from childhood, that are causing addiction, that are causing self-loathing, that is causing um, body image issues, that is causing fear of what they might do. I'm afraid of sitting in front of my computer in case I want to go to pornography because it's an escape for me. I'm afraid of looking at my wife in case I see something in her that reflects back at me. I'm afraid of looking at my husband in case I might judge him to be an adulterer, which is what my father did to, to my mother. So all these different fears that come up are born in our pain. We cling to pain to make sure that we are alive. Making sure I'm alive will bring a whole new way of survival, surviving today, to get through today. So I wanna leave you now with this thought. Clinging to my pain will help me to move forward in life. Clinging to my pain will help me remember everything that I've done wrong, everything, everyone that's hurt me. Clinging to my pain will keep me shackled to my past. And then if I'm shackled to my past, no one can hurt me. I want you to reverse that thought right now, just for a second. After three, one, two, three. Reverse it to love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not bored. Love is not proud. Love that does not try to rule. Love is an energy that we can 
focus on when we walk in the rain, when we look at the clouds, when we see the sunshine, when we see the smile on our child's face. We feel love and feeling love helps us to feel ourselves. We can thank our pain and we can say good night or say good morning and let it go. My name is Lana Lynn Marino and thank you today for joining me on this podcast. And remember that you can find me always anchor.fm slash Lynn Marino if you want to send me a message. On Twitter, I am Wellness Journeys and my Instagram, Journeys to Wellness. My Facebook, wellnessjourneys.co.uk. Go away and have a great day. Have a blessed day and thank you for joining me. And I will see you again, or I will be with you again another time.